Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what He has to say to you today. Enjoy. It's a unique privilege to have the opportunity to bring the word to you folks tonight. Usually I'm back there, but I graduated to the front stage. Ooh, let's go. <laughs> And I got big shoes to fill. Usually Jay starts off with some sort of sports analogy, a story about hockey or running or baseball. And it's great. It's, he's a sports guy. That's his thing. And you all love it because we live in Barrington and you're all sports people. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I hear it. But I'm not a sports guy. <laughs> Some of you took one look at me and went, yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm not a sports guy. I've tried every sport, almost every sport at least once, but nothing ever stuck. At the end of the school day, I wasn't rushing home to get to soccer practice. I was rushing home to get to band practice. I used to spend my Friday nights not at games, but down on the pier there, boy, playing at punk shows in the Polish Hall. <laughs> I'm not a sports guy, I'm a music guy. So I'm gonna start off with a music analogy. I know, I know, bear with me, we'll get through it, okay? The other night I was watching uh, an interview from a number of years ago with um, the now late um, Kurt Cobain of Nirvana fame, uh, the biggest rock star of the 1990s. You know, Nirvana was so big that even now, if you go into any guitar store, you can hear some kid with the Marshall stack dialed up to 11, wailing on Smells Like Team Spirit way too loud. Nirvana was huge, but they're coming out of the 80s. Any 80s kids in here? Yeah, 80s kids? In the 80s, rock and roll music, was based off of having big hair and playing really, really fast and precise. <laughs> and so in this interview, Cobain was talking about how he almost never gave music a shot. He didn't think he had the chops for it. His guitar playing, while it's now considered legendary, was not technical or precise. He didn't think he was good enough to make it as a pro musician. In a similar way, we need, just like rock and roll needed both the technically precise metalheads and the passionate punks that were playing super loud, the kingdom of God is not just for the qualified. Too often, you and I disqualify ourselves from what God wants us to do because we don't think we're good enough. We can't hit the riffs that fast. But Cobain made his career not off of playing technically precise, but out of playing with passion. So we are in week two of our series, Living From Purpose. You made it through the music analogy, good job. <laughs> we are in week two of our series, Living From Purpose. And last week, Jay taught us all about how God created us with purpose, that we get our purpose as humanity from purpose himself, God, the creator. And this week, as we continue to talk about our intentional God, we're going to talk about God's 
purposes, what we're going to refer to tonight as purposeful directives. When God calls us to do something, a mission that he sends us on, something he asks us to do, God uses us to fulfill his purposes, and he wants to partner with us in his mission. So we're going to talk about these purposeful directives by talking about the life of Moses. Now, if you're of the age demographic that actually appreciated the Nirvana reference, then you've probably heard the story of Moses from a 90s movie called Prince of Egypt. Any Prince of Egypt fans in here? Okay. Or maybe some of you, uh, a little bit more of the older crowd, um, may have know the story of Moses from the Ten Commandments movie with... Uh, Charlton, yeah, you, you, you see, you, you, that was a trap. That was a trap. <laughs> I think the movie came out in '58. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but we're familiar with the story of Moses, and if you grew up in Sunday school, you probably saw it on one of those flannel graphs. Anybody remember flannel graphs? They'd have the little characters. It's it's such a weird technology. <laughs> Moses is to the Bible, we're keeping with the music analogy, Moses is to the Bible what Kurt Cobain is to rock music. You should see your faces right now. (laughs) Moses was a rock star. He did crazy things for God. This is the guy who would take the Israel nation, the nation of Israel, out of slavery in Egypt and set up their home in the promised land. This is the guy who gave the Ten Commandments, you know, like the Ten Commandments, like the thing that our laws are loosely based off of now. That's that's Moses. He's the guy who encountered God, I was going to say face-to-face, but it was back-to-face, on the mountain. This guy was a rock star. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. But yet, as we're going to see in our passage here tonight... Moses tried to disqualify himself from the job. He didn't think he had what it takes to do what God called him to do. But as we're going to see tonight, and what I hope you take away from tonight, is that God is very comfortable with calling normal people for sacred purposes. God is very comfortable with calling normal people for sacred purposes. So would you turn with me to Exodus chapter three? It's gonna be on the screen there as well, starting at verse one. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see... Oh, sorry, I skipped ahead. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said... Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen your, the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because, oh, where'd it go? I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Yes, I did it. (laughs) And behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. I don't know about you, but I know that I find it super easy to read the stories of the people in the Bible and think of them as Bible characters rather than actual people. Like when we get to this part of the story and Moses encounters God in a burning bush, it's like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a crazy experience, but it's the Bible. Of course, that's what's going to happen. But Moses didn't know he was in the Bible. Each of these Bible characters doesn't know that they're in the Bible. It's not like this is the chosen and they were cast into this role. They're not actors in a play. These are real people. And for most of these, these heroes of the faith, this wasn't their job. In fact, the first thing I want to point out in the text here tonight is that Moses already had a job. He's a busy guy. He's got stuff to do. How many of us know that God doesn't just show up when it's convenient for us. Verse 1 tells us that Moses is on the job when God shows up in a burning bush. It says that he was tending to flocks. He's a shepherd. He's on the clock. He's working. These are, these are paid hours that God is interrupting. And he's not just on the job. He, these aren't just his sheep, but these are the sheep of Jethro, Who's Jethro, you might ask? Not the guy from the uh, Beverly Hillbillies. (laughs) I know, that's what you're picturing. (laughs) Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. He's working for the in-laws. There's no goofing off on the job when you're married to the boss's daughter. But yet, Moses goes to see what's going on. Verse 3 says, And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And we've got to give Moses some credit here because he actually notices the burning bush. If God showed up in a burning bush tomorrow, I don't think most of us would notice it because we're too busy walking around or more accurate. What bush, (laughs) right? 
We are so distracted. We are too busy scrolling through our favorite anxiety-amplifying social media app to notice that the creator of the universe is trying to get our attention with literal fireworks. We have, my friends, a busyness epidemic. You are all chronically busy, especially this time of year. If I ask any of you, and I tried this out before you got in, little did you know you're part of a social experiment. When I ask, oh, how are you doing? More often than not, the answer is busy. But if I say what you've been up to, or if I ask what's up, you say, So we're busy, we're chronically busy, but we're not up to anything much. <laughs> Explain that one to me. <laughs> How can this be the case? There is a difference between having a full life and a full schedule. There is a difference between living a full life and having a full schedule. Being busy does not mean that you're being purposeful. In fact, it actually means quite the opposite. If we are gonna be intentional, purposeful people, that means that we have to prioritize what is most important. And that, my friends, is meeting with the God of the universe, meeting with our creator. And I hate to break it to you, but God isn't in the chaos of sports schedules and Facebook messages. Yes, we spend so much of our lives going from one thing to the next. We spend so much time looking forward to the next thing, trying to prepare for the next thing, that we actually miss out on living right here in the present moment. We're not actually living. We're not actually present. Yes, God is in the future. Yes, God has been in our past. God is infinite but I am not. I am finite. I can only physically be right here in this present moment with you. So if I'm going to encounter God, I can only meet with God in the present. I can only encounter God right here, right now, not in the next thing, not in the thing that's already gone by, not in looking forward to the next whatever, and not missing the thing that's gone by, I can only encounter my creator right here, right now. And I'm afraid that we have been so busy running from thing to thing to thing, event to event to event, practice to practice, that we miss the burning bush in the room. Moses had a job, a family, a lot on the go. God's call isn't just for punks like me that got nothing better to do. God doesn't just call the bored or the unemployed. He is very okay with throwing a wrench into the plans of your life. He's not scared of calling you out of one thing into another. He's really, really okay with blowing up your Google Calendar. And I know that's scary. Anytime God calls us into uncertainty, I know that it is scary. The unknown is scary. And in those moments, it can feel like life is just chaotic and out of control. But let me remind you that our God is the God of order, not the God of chaos. When he calls us into those things, it often feels chaotic, 
because our understanding of what order is, is wrong. It's deformed. When God is bringing things into order, it often feels like chaos because our perception of what order is, is actually skewed. You can trust God. He has good plans for you. So once we get over the fact that God is totally okay with interrupting our lives to direct us to do something, then we have to get our heads around, okay, what's he asking me to do? We have to get our heads around the task. And like Moses, we are really, really, really good at giving excuses, having doubts, asking questions, and giving reasons why we can't do the thing that God's telling us to do. God told Moses that he was sending him to confront Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to bring the children of Israel out of the slavery that they were kept in in Egypt and out to give them a new home in this land that God had promised them. God lays it all out for Moses, down to what Moses needs to do exactly and exactly what Moses needs to say. But Moses comes back with a bunch of questions and a bunch of excuses. So we're going to go through each of these questions, each of these excuses, one by one, and I want you to ask yourself if you've ever heard these words in your own mind towards God, okay? Here we go. First off, who am I? But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who, me? Are you talking to me? I'm nobody. You see, we tend to create our identity, our sense of who we are, based off of the experiences that we've had. Who we are is very much informed by our family of origin and by the experiences and traumas that we've had. And Moses' life had been a roller coaster up till this point. When he was just an infant, in order to save his life, his family put him in a basket and set him adrift. And he was raised by a family that was not his biological family. He was adopted. And then when he was 40, in defense of another person, he murdered a man and then had to flee to avoid the consequences of it. In chapter 2, Moses identifies himself as a wanderer in a foreign land. Moses never had a sense of what it meant to be at home. But yet here is God asking Moses, directing Moses, to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land, a place that would be their forever home. So of course Moses asks the question, who am I? Because this poor guy has never had a sense of what home really is. He's lacking identity because from infancy, he has never known the embrace of a home. He's focused on his own experience, not on God's authority. What are my qualifications? Who do I tell them sent me? Who am I representing? I can't just show up and say, thus saith the Lord. Who do I tell them sent me? Moses is unsure of his authority, not just because he's unsure of who he is, unsure of his identity, 
but he's also because he has not yet identified himself with God. He hasn't yet come under the authority of God. When we say yes to God's purposeful directives, when we say yes to what God is calling us to do, we take God's authority on ourselves. We bear his image. We come under his identity. To do so is to take the reputation and the qualifications of the one who sent us upon ourselves. That is why God answers Moses' question by telling him his name. The only qualifications that you and I need is to identify ourselves with Yahweh, the present presence, the God who is. But what if it doesn't work? What if they don't believe me? What if I do everything you've told me to do, exactly how you've told me to do it, and it doesn't work, it fails, it flops? What if I fail? Some of us are so scared of failing, petrified of failing, that we would rather say no to the chance of a lifetime rather than risk it and fail. There's a lack of credibility here, a lack of faith. What if I pray and the thing I am praying for doesn't happen? What if I take the leap of faith and fall flat on my face? What if I don't have what it takes? Verse 10, but Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Lord, I ain't good at that there talking. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm slow of speech. I ain't eloquent. I ain't no good with them words. Lord, I don't see myself the same way that you see me in this moment. I could never get up on that stage. I could never do that. What if this doesn't work because I can't pull it off? What if I don't have what it takes to do this? This very quickly, this line of thinking very quickly turns into, well, why don't you just use somebody else? Couldn't you just use somebody else? There's gotta be someone more qualified. There's gotta be somebody better at this than me. There's gotta be someone better suited at this than me, more talented less baggage, more put together. There's got to be someone better, Lord. Which very quickly turns from a question into a statement of not only I can't do this, but I won't do this. I'm not willing. Even with all of the miracles, the signs, and the wonders that God performed for Moses right before his very eyes, I mean, God is talking to him through a burning bush. Yet Moses still wasn't sold because he was focused on his own ability, not on God's power. God must not know what he's doing. He asked the wrong guy. You've got the wrong guy. But I'm here to tell you tonight, the good news tonight is that our God knows exactly what he's doing, and he is willing to use anyone. God has the provision necessary to use anyone. And he meets our questions and our doubts with exactly what we need. He meets our questions and our doubts with his presence. It's okay if you don't know who you are. 
because God knows exactly who he is. He identifies himself to Moses as Yahweh, which means I am who I am. If that's certainty and identity, I don't know what is. He is the God who is, the God who is present. It's okay that Moses thinks that Moses is nobody because God knows that God is somebody. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is the creator of the universe who holds everything together in the palm of his hand. He was worthy then. He is worthy now. He will always be worthy. God can send us glorious nobodies to do what he wants us to do because he promises to go with us. He is present with us. Moses isn't going alone. God is with him. He says, I will be with you. God meets our questions with his person. He's personal. It's okay that you don't feel qualified. Moses isn't going on his own reputation. He's not bearing the name of Moses. He's bearing the name of Yahweh. He's going to represent God. God tells him to tell the people that I am, that Yahweh sent him. He imparts his authority onto those he calls. He gives his qualifications to Moses. When we bear the image of God, it's not us that they see. It's not us that they see when we bear the image of God. It's God that they see. Galatians 2.20 says, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. God gives us his personal presence, his authority, his reputation, his qualifications. It's about God's authority reigning in me and working through me. And if that wasn't enough, God also gives us his power. It's okay if you have doubts. And if you're here tonight and you're just checking things out, you're here to see what this following Jesus business is all about, We are so glad that you are here because God meets our doubts with his power. The proof is in the pudding, and he's got lots of pudding. God knows exactly what's going to happen. He has the power to win the victory. His response to Moses' doubt is to perform miracles, to display his power. Oh, you don't know if I can do that? Well, watch this. Moses didn't have to worry about them not believing him. God was the one who would do the convincing. We don't have to do a song and dance to convince people of God's message. God covered Moses in his power. It's not up to us to prove. It's up to us to be obedient. The life we live, we live by faith in the Son of God, and God's power is made perfect in our weakness We don't need to prove it. We need to be obedient despite our doubts. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up at this time. And the prayer team too. God meets our doubts with his perspective. I love this part. It's okay if you don't have what it takes. Because you probably don't. But God lets us in on some divine perspective here in this passage. Moses says that he's not well-spoken. He's not a good speaker. But then in verse 11, Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? 
Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be your mouth and teach you what to speak. Who are we to tell our creator that we can't do the thing that he designed us to do? God lets us in on his perspective here, and from God's perspective, we are the clay and he is the potter. He can mold us into whatever he needs us to be. It doesn't matter what your perception of yourself is, because in God's perception, he's already seeing your potential. He can mold you and make you into exactly what he needs you to be. And this is so cool. Moses couldn't see it yet, but all throughout his life up until this point, God was preparing him for this very task. We don't see the full picture, but our purposeful God does. And God meets our doubts and our questions with his partnership. It's okay that you don't feel best suited for the job. None of us are. We might have particular things that we need to do individually, but we are not called to live this life alone. Just like God gave Moses Aaron as his buddy to go with him, we are called to be the body, to lean one on another. As we partner with Christ, we also partner with one another. You are not called to this task alone. You are not on mission alone. We are on mission together. And where there's areas of lack, where there's a lack of strength in certain parts, someone else has the gift necessary. And when you team up, we are greater than the sum of our parts because the Holy Spirit is in the mix. So I'm thankful tonight. I'm thankful that the God who called Moses back then in a burning bush still calls tonight, right here, right now. I'm thankful that God still uses ordinary people for sacred purposes. I'm thankful that it's not about the quality of what we have to offer to God, but about our willingness to give it all to him. God doesn't just call pastors. You don't have to become a minister to be used by God. He loves to take the ordinary and make it sacred. And just like the ordinary fields outside Mount Horeb became holy ground when God's presence was there, when he showed up in a burning bush, this ordinary bar in a strip mall has become a sacred space. We are standing on holy ground where God has set this place apart for holy purposes, where I believe that God is calling, giving you purposeful directives of things that he wants you to do. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Right now, in this very moment, I want us to first slow down. Breathe, be present to the moment. We can only meet with God right now because we are only in this moment right now. We only have this right here, right now. So let's slow down, breathe, and listen. Is there a burning bush in the room that you haven't noticed up until this point 
because it's been too chaotic, you've been too busy, it's been too loud. Now's the time to stop, to listen. And if God is speaking to you, calling out to you in this moment, nudging you with something that he wants you to do, then please, by all means, say yes. And if you hear the Spirit of God prompting you right now, our prayer team is up and would love to pray over you, would love to pray with you, would love to help you discern what God is saying to you. He might be calling you to something crazy. He might be calling you to something way outside your comfort zone. He very well might be calling you to something that you can't pull off on your own. But that is the point. God doesn't call upon us without allowing us to call upon him. Actually, he really wants us to call upon him. He knows that we desperately need him in order to do what he wants us to do. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses is calling out tonight. Will you call out to him? We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.